welcome to the Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Our topic today is how can poetry support us in facing death and grief? We are very fortunate to have Jenny Chi, author of Focal Point, winner of the 2020 Steel Tope Books Poetry Award. Her essays and poems have been published in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and elsewhere. She has received fellowships and support from Tin House, Omnidon, Kearney Street Workshop, and the San Francisco Writers Grotto. Born in Pennsylvania to Chinese immigrants, she grew up mostly in Las Vegas and now lives in San Francisco where she completed her PhD in cancer biology. She is working on more essays and poems and translating her late mother's memoirs of the Chinese Cultural Revolution and immigration to the US. We also have Eliza Tudor, Executive Director of Nevada County Arts Council, an amazing woman who highlights the many forms of art in Nevada County, inspires and collaborates, and is preparing for the sixth annual Sierra Poetry Festival on April 30th at Miner's Foundry. Welcome, Jenny and Eliza. Hello, great to be here. Thank you so much. And, and, and it, it makes so much sense to be talking with you and in the company of Hospice of the Foothills and with Jenny. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. I am so glad to be here and so glad to meet you both. Well, Jenny, I'm so grateful that you are here. And not only do you have, are you an award-winning poet and you have a PhD in cancer biology, and are currently working in oncology consulting. But would you also tell us a little bit about yourself and why being able to talk about death and expressing yourself through poetry has become part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think really the illness and death of my mother was what propelled me further into poetry and also into my field of study, to be honest. And that really changed the tra trajectory of my life. And like culturally, um, we didn't really talk about death at all. And so even though my mother was ill for a long time, we just didn't prepare for her end of life. And that was very difficult. And I experienced what is called complicated grief, just prolonged, um, severe, traumatic grief, be in part because of that experience. And so I do think it is so important for everyone to think about, think about death, acknowledge that it will happen for all of us and be prepared both for ourselves and our loved ones. Jenny, would you mind telling us a little bit about your mother? Um, yeah, my mother was very determined and vibrant and she was the center of my world for so long. Um, she, Im she immigrated to the U.S. with my father when she was in her late 20s from China after having her life uh, really torn asunder by the cultural revolution there. And so her life was so many instances of starting over 
and and that was something that I learned from and admire just her determination. Um, when she first moved to the U.S., she uh, really struggled to get work. She had been a teacher in China, and her degree didn't mean anything here. And so one of her first instances of getting a job was she knocked on every door of the University of Pittsburgh um, and got a job somehow as a lab technician. So, and then you ended up in, in a medical field. Yeah. So yes. is there any connection for that? Um, I guess, I guess there is in a way, not perhaps not directly linked, but uh, my, my mother was always interested in science of something she didn't have many opportunities to learn about um, throughout her own education. And so she was excited about that. And part of it too was just being, being an immigrant and having gone through the trauma of the cultural revolution, she wanted something that was stable for me. Well, you definitely um, are, uh, it's fascinating to me that you have both this incredible passion for uh, science and the poetry and the connection. And Eliza, I'm gonna ask you a question in a moment. I, I pulled this quote from the Sierra Poetry Festival website under why poetry. The quote says, like communities across the world, we believe that poetry has the power to inspire, heal and build bridges. We believe that it is a healthy way to share experiences, to teach patients and joy, and bring communities together. Since this show focuses on the ability to talk about death, would you comment on how poetry inspires and heals and connects us to others as we face health crises um, and ultimately deal with the death of our loved ones and face our own mortality? So Eliza, would you speak to that? Absolutely. Um... Where to begin with that, it's huge because we can use poetry as a vehicle in so many different ways to bridge so many gaps and to um, you know, listen to others through verses that others have written. Um, in, a, in a way, it becomes an enabling force, a neutral, a neutralizing force, if you like for expression that then becomes less subjective and easier to absorb. I would say um, my sister has been ill for very many years and is declining very, very slowly as a result of brain cancer. And at Sierra Poetry Festival, Jenny will be speaking with her daughter, who is a published poet in Amsterdam, about the role that poetry has played both for her mother in healing and accepting her own death, but also for her daughter in terms of their relationship and her own daughter's um, journey through life as a young woman, but having experienced death so soon, so early, I should say, but looking back at the body of time, if you like, since the inception of Sierra Poetry Festival, we created it in this wonderful community um, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada um, as a way to bring people together. 
And in fact, for the first few years, we were even sponsored by Dignity Health by Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital because the, uh, the management then could recognize it as such a tool for healing and for many years had a program um, which our own very first poet laureate, Molly Fisk, um, led um, in which she engaged with cancer patients around writing poetry. But when we think about healing, we think of it in many, many different ways. It's, you know, how to engage in nonviolent communication in general. Um, we live in such a polarized world today, and it's only getting more polarized. So I think all of us that have a voice within our communities almost have a civic responsibility to which we can bring healing and joy um, to share in a form of, if you like, nonviolent communication. And poetry is a means for that. So um, having said that, it seems, you know, it seems like such a, a dark or formidable thing, but let's demystify it. Let's have fun with it at the same time. And I'm sure that Jenny will bring that. Um, she has a likeness to her. You can hear it in her voice. It's such a sweet voice. So I'm looking forward to hearing Jenny read her own poetry as well. Yes, Jenny did promise to read a few of her own poems uh, in a little while. Uh, Jenny, I wanna throw a question in here for you. Is there a difference in the creation of poetry to deal with death uh, and, and face and go through grief and reading it? Did, did you do both? Mm, that's such an interesting and good question. And I, I did both, but I think there, there is a difference. Um, in, the, in the first year after my mother died, I, I didn't actually write at all. And that, that was also before I became a quote unquote serious poet. Um, but I, yeah, I, I felt that that was just lost to me, but I read so much in that year and both poems and essays and, and memoirs and all kinds of things, but poetry was what spoke to me most in that time. And I think it was the emotional immediacy of it that felt accessible in this very raw time. Um, I, I actually just a few days ago lost someone else who was important to me. And, and so I've been turning to reading poetry during this time as well. And I think it, it was, to go back to um, my grieving process for my mother, I think it was after a year of meditating almost on other people's stories and feeling some sort of connection in a very isolating time through this reading that I was able to finally start to express myself again. Well, you're listening to Embracing the Journey on KBMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and my guests are award-winning poet Jenny Chi and executive director of Nevada County Arts Council, Eliza Tudor. 
and uh, we're uh, looking forward to hearing uh, a couple of your poems. Uh, Jenny, would you mind uh, reading one now? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I will start. Um, I'll start with a poem titled Writing Elegies Like Robert Hass. Writing Elegies Like Robert Hass. Last night, I heard Bob Hass read an elegy for his younger brother, and I chuckled when he said his brother had the impulse control of a ferret. And I thought of all the elegies I've written for my young mother who ate only what she liked and scratched bug bites until they bled. And I thought, gee, I wish I could write an elegy to induce chuckling. What I meant was, I wish I could remember her and chuckle. It took me six months to talk about her, to admit she was dead. It took another four to say dead. It took another five months and 13 days and 20 some odd elegies to write how she'd scoffed. If she had raised that sissy friend of mine, he would have grown a spine. I keep trying to write an elegy for my mother that remembers her like I do, or rather like I want to, how she could be so petulant and stubborn, so greedy for living, so hasty with love. I want to remember the quarters she kept for homeless men in the car she drove too fast, the oranges she pushed at my friends. I want to remember how she sniffled through movies and how pleased she was when I did too. Instead, I always think of the Friday in February when I found her face down on the floor because I'd left the room for five minutes to cry in the bathroom and wash my face and the side rail collapsed and the doctor looked at me like I'd pushed her. Oh, it's so powerful. Thank you, Jenny. That is so powerful. Thank you, Lori. Oh, I have to take a breath after that. Would you be willing to read another poem for us? Sure. Um, I can read uh, Normal. And um, this is a poem about my own illness um, shortly after my mother's death. Normal. 18 months after you died, I spent a week in a hospital bed. Nurses whispered, how strange, pneumonia and someone so young and normally healthy. Alone at night, I cried, mama, is this how you felt? Hauling a collection of cords out of bed, tripping, gripping the walls like a wounded animal to get to the bathroom, brush your teeth, needing to do something normal. I ran five miles the day before I collapsed. 
Months after my discharge, I inch up a slight hill, stop every few steps gasping. At the top, I cough so hard I throw up. I cried in the hall last night remembering how you used to walk faster than me, how you stopped every few steps, waited for my stubby child legs to catch up. After your lung surgery, I was the one waiting. Mama, I finally get it, why those surgeries broke you, why you were so cross about living even as you did everything to live. But at the same time, I don't because I'll recover. Thank you, Jenny. Those are just absolutely spectacular poems and really, again, help, help me personally access emotions that are hard to, to identify sometimes. Eliza, you. do you want to comment? What what I what I'm so struck by, Jenny, is despite the sweetness of your voice, there's this strength that you carry with you. Um, is this an aspect of something that you have um, commanded in yourself, or is it a true strength, a true strength, if you like? born of the sort of demystification of the death you have felt in such a real way and a transformation of your own suffering along the way that has developed this strength, do you think? Wow, thank you, Eliza, for saying that. Um, I don't know. I think, I like to think that I have inherited some strength from my mother who endured so much I don't I don't necessarily view myself as being particularly strong to be honest <laughs> um, but yeah I, if, I like to think of it as part inheritance and per, hopefully part transformation like you said of experiencing something difficult as a young person having to do something something productive with that mm -hmm. your mother would be so proud thank you Absolutely. the kindest thing anyone can say Jenny, do you recall how you were first exposed to poetry? Is it something in your family that um, your family appreciated? Actually, yes. Um, I, at least the way my mother told me this was that this is something um, kids have to do in China from a young age, but I, she taught me to recite poems in Chinese, like from the Tang dynasty. Um, so the, they tend to be like very short, concise poems. And I started learning them when I was, I don't know, probably like three or four. And it was my, my mother and also my uh, paternal grandmother who took care of me for a time as a toddler. Um, they 
just taught me these poems and I still remember the illustrated books of them that are like tattered and falling apart now. Um, and so that was always, always just in my background. And my mother also like gave me my first journal when I was eight and um, what I also remember um, being struck by uh, was when I finally started being exposed to poems in English, um, I was probably in like late elementary school, middle school, and I read William Blake's The Tiger in the beginning of some YA novel. It was like off-brand Animorphs. I don't really remember the, the novel. Um, and I just, I loved the musicality and imagery of it. And, and that was just so striking to me about the language. Thanks, Jenny. Eliza, do you recall, were you, did you grow up in a family that uh, valued poems and, and uh, encouraged you to enjoy poetry? Very much so. And I also think it was part of part of what we learned in school in a way that is so unfortunate now um, with especially I hate to say it in America. <laughs> it's not a foregone conclusion that will be our children will be taught a love of poetry. That's why I'm so thankful for, you know, these national programs like Poetry Out Loud, which puts seemingly unwilling high school students in front of some of the most beautiful poetry known to um, humankind. And through what starts as a, a sort of slightly disgruntled participation ends up <laughs> with a lifelong love of poetry, um, absolutely gorgeous. So I, I think it's something not to be taken for granted by any means. Um, and at the same time, there can be very simple pathways into an appreciation for poetry. And this is why when we do, um, you know, this very special Sierra Poetry Festival that we do every year, we offer it absolutely free of charge to all, all kids of all ages and all students. Um, but there are, there are simple, joyful ways into poetry. And then um, many many sort of anchor points um, for it to linger with one through one's life and to become a tool for transformation in all sorts of ways, including, you know, the transformation of the death of friends and family and one's own mortality. Um, so it encourages one to think very deeply and gives one a vehicle for experiencing real joy at the same time. Well, talking to you both just warms my heart and as we look at how poetry can support us in, in facing both death and grief. And I feel fortunate, Eliza, to have you and, and people like Molly Fisk as friends who have opened my eyes to the accessibility of poetry. But I have to say that that is not something that I was familiar with early in my life. It's something that I have felt intimidated by and just like, okay, that's just not who I am. And I'm glad that I'm investigating that part of me I think it is healing but for people who are listening who may feel like this is an enjoyable thing to hear but you know it's not for me how do I get started Jenny let's start with you do you have if you could speak to that sure um yeah I I admit that most people probably do not fall in love with William Blake as 11 year olds 
And a lot of poetry that is taught in school, if it is taught at all, is not very accessible. Um, I, something that I like that I've noticed here um, in San Francisco, where I live, is uh, the ex sort of accessibility of like youth slams and things like that. I think spoken word is a form of poetry that can be more accessible to young people. And that was something I really enjoyed as a kid too. Like I loved Tupac and that is a kind of poetry. Um, and so I think that is one way. And another is I think to look to contemporary poets. Um, so much of what we are taught in school is a hard, to understand because they are experiences and um, a kind of language from so long ago and not all poetry is like that. Thanks, Jenny. And Eliza, what about you? Uh, what about maybe some of our, our senior people in our community? Do you have ideas uh, for how they can access if they just wanna to begin to appreciate poetry? One way that we have fun with it um, in the most accessible form is um, before National Poetry Month starts in April, I think it's the, la the last, one of the last days of March is World Poetry Day. And what we do in Nevada County is partner up with cafes across the county. And uh, you, if, you, if, you, if you write a single line of poetry, you can get a free cup of coffee and it's great. And what we suggest is a very accessible form of poetry called haiku. And, uh, you know, haiku could be simple. I'll just read a, a line from a, a famous, um, marvelous Japanese haiku poet called Basho, in which he writes, and this is translated from the Japanese by Robert Haas, old pond, a frog jumps in, waters sound. And it's so evocative, so beautiful. It's just a line or two. Um, so I would suggest for anyone who thinks that poetry is beyond them, or for people who, who have been exposed to it only young in life and academically, et cetera, it's just not true. Expose yourself to something very simple and just take it from there and know that you are a poet inherently, even if you never put a word on paper. Um, it just comes out through expression. Just have fun with it. Well, those are beautiful thoughts. Thank you, Jenny and Eliza. And we are coming to the end of this uh, interview. Uh, so Jenny, is, are, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with listeners about how poetry can support us in healing death and facing grief? Mm. I think ultimately you can interpret anything as poetry. And if it is something that helps you through your grieving process and thoughts around mortality, lean into that and ultimately just take care of yourself. Thank you, Jenny. And Eliza, in about 20 seconds, do you have any last thoughts? At the moment, my, my mind is very much on, um, on what is happening in Ukraine 
and in other areas of the world where there's untold suffering. We've recently uh, partnered with the county through a wonderful military appreciation program that they're running. And we're offering um, completely free registration for Sierra Poetry Festival to our active military, our veterans, and our gold star parents who will have been through so much having lost a loved one. Um, and so, you know, through avenues such as this and offer, offering young people access to poetry, we hope to demystify this process of, of um, enjoyment of poetry and its use as a healing power. Well, thank you both, Jenny Chi and Eliza Tudor. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I have been talking to award-winning poet Jenny Chi and Executive Director of Nevada County Arts, Eliza Tudor. You can tune in and listen to Embracing the Journey the fourth Tuesday of each month at 6.30 p.m. Thank you to our engineer, Jeff Wright, and to Jeff Wright for our theme music and podcast. <laughs>